This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1596, Comic Talk. I'm Brian Chrisman. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris And welcome to the show. Uh, just as most of you probably know, that our, our theme song there is done by Kirby Crackle and with their lead singer, Kyle Stevens. And just want to mention, talking about, we mentioned in the last episode, that um, you know, a friend co-host Matt uh, and his wife Megan gave birth to a, a son. Well, Kyle Stevens and his lovely wife, Kristen, now have welcomed a daughter, their first child into the world, Katinka Jack Stevens. <laughs> tink for short. Yes, Tink, tink for short. Uh, he was born uh, March 9th, mm-hmm. if I have my dates correct. So. I believe so, as, as we're recording, that was yesterday. Yes. So, so congratulations to Kyle and Kristen, and again, welcome to the world, mm-hmm. Tink. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Spread your pixie dust over us all. Yes. <laughs> right. So, this is, as Shane likes to say, our loosey-goosey, timey-wimey comic talk episode. <laughs> We're going to go all over the place. I actually have a litany of topics to discuss. Most- oh, yes. You've literally gone all over the place. The <laughs> That's right. Most, mostly about me. So, if you don't like me, just I'm sorry. I have to wait till the end of the episode. Um, towards the end, we will try our best to get in some much-delayed um, Deadpool movie talk. So, if we do, spoilers, uh, forewarned is forearmed. Mm-hmm. Um... And a couple other topics. And, of course, uh, the uh, Civil War trailer just dropped today. So uh, the newest one, we will discuss. Well, I won't discuss that, but uh, maybe, maybe some discussion towards the end of the episode. Uh, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> as we all know, when it comes to movies, you prefer to be as unspoiled as the virgin snow. Yes, yes. That, that's, that, that's, Which I, I do kind of admire. But that's I, how I roll. It's tough sometimes because I went my Facebook today and it's all over. Pictures of Spider-Man and oh, see, I've watched. Now it's full of everybody else in the Civil War movie, and it's, it's like dozens of them. It's like, oh my god! It's, and there's already like uh, polls about, do you like how his eyes look? It's like, oh, for the love of Christ! We've just anyway. Enough about that, Mard. Who's our sponsor for this episode? Well, Brian, <laughs> our sponsor for this episode, once again, is our old friends at the Collection Drawer Company, the manufacturers of drawer boxes. Yes. The storage system for the serious comic collector who doesn't want to have to shift big piles of traditional top-opening long boxes around when going through their collection. Because a drawer box is a long box with a, an internal shell that pulls out of the front of the box like a drawer, hence Ooh. the name. <laughs> yes, it's a very convenient storage solution. I've got plenty of them at my apartment. I was just, uh, I, I took stock of my comics. I have 55 boxes worth right now. Holy mackerel, Merton. Jiminy gods. Yep, that's, they're not all in boxes, but if I put, <laughs> enough to fill 55, potentially. Let's wow. put it that way. Okay. Um, and uh, these drawer boxes have been a lifesaver to me as far as organizing and storing everything and, and still having a little room left over for myself. 
It makes my uh, collection, my, my reading library of comics that much more accessible. And uh, so I owe a debt to uh, the Collection Drawer Company and their drawer boxes, which you can see at CollectionDrawer.com for making it that easy for me. And if you have a collection of uh, magazines or action figures or LPs lying around that you'd like to uh, similarly organize and store, uh, they have drawer boxes in a variety of shapes, sizes, and dimensions, uh, plus uh, accessories to make uh, the task of organizing and storing that much easier. So check out CollectionDrawer.com um, and uh, see what they can do for you because, by gosh, it's, this is something that we at CGS not only advertise but use. Yes. Murd, what's an LP? <laughs> Why, that would be a long playing disc, little Brian. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, gosh almighty. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know better than I do what an LP is. I do? You do. I do. You do. I do. You do. Three, three and a third. <laughs> See? I'm aware that that's a kind of record, but I'm not even sure of the precise dimensions. Whoa, really? Yeah, I don't I don't own that many records, to be true. I thought you were all about the vinyl. You're all about the VHS. I I'm thought not, you'd be the... not all about the vinyl. I, I do. That's one of the things I collect when I go to yard sales and garage sales and flea markets and such, but uh, only the LP size. I, I don't think I have any 45s, and I'm sure I don't have any 33 and a third. Well, 33 and a third is a traditional album. Oh, okay. Yeah. In that case, I do. <laughs> How about Maybe he was that? confusing that with the, with, the, with the 78 RPM, for example. Ah, okay. 78's okay. Wow, we're old. Anyway. Some so, of us more than others. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I should make a show for a moment for my show? Yes, I was going to get to that. Chris. Uh, Chris from Wild Pig Comics at 14 South Michigan Avenue, Kennewick, New Jersey. Ask for my name. Okay, anyway. Go ahead, uh, Chris. The floor is now yours. I appreciate that, Pansy Cutie. Now, <laughs> uh... We're going to be, just so you know, uh, as many of our listeners have visited the shop over the years, and we always appreciate that. And uh, Bill and I are going to be running a huge spring sale uh, for the rest of the month of March, beginning on March 15th and running through March 31st. Ah, beware the Ides of March, sir. Indeed. Uh-huh. Well, I, I love my Roman history. <laughs> now, every comic-related item in the store for that Almost three weeks will be 25% off. That Ooh. includes our 30,000 50-cent comics, which will be 25% off 50 cents. That includes our 2,000 new and used trade paperbacks and graphic novels. That includes all of our tune tumblers, all of our magazines, everything related to comics. So that means basically everything in the shop except for Magic the Gathering products uh, will be 25% off. And Bill will also be setting up a discount for board games as well. I'm not sure what he's doing there yet, but... If you live in the region or if you're not too far away and if you've never been to the shop or if you've been there before and you enjoyed yourself, this is not a sale you want to miss. I'll be bringing an additional new inventory for the back issues especially uh, within the next week, and I, I would urge everyone to stop by if they can because unlike other stores, our sales are real, and you get <laughs> real discounts uh, off, of, off of our inventory. I mean you're getting 25% off 50-cent comics, and as both Pants and Merkin attest, many of the books in our 50-cent bins are worth more than 50 cents. Huzzah! Yes. So <laughs> please join us from March 15th to the 31st. Pants gave the address, as only he can. <laughs> and uh, again, 14 South Michigan Avenue, Kenworth, New Jersey, wildpigcomics.com. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, I was. Anytime. I wish you would extend it a little further because I'm planning on being in the area on Sunday, uh, April 3rd. Um, there is a um, comic art con happening in Secaucus uh, oh, yeah. that Sunday. You've been and, to that uh, show before, haven't you? I've been to that show a couple of times. Never really made any large purchases, but uh, always scope out some things. And they've expanded. It's even larger than it's been in the past. So I well, was pant- pantaloons. First of all, you know when you come by, I'm going to help you out. Come well, on, certainly. 
<laughs> I was toying with the idea of maybe coming up a day early because I'm meeting some friends. Uh, actually, the promoters of the London show, a couple of them are coming over for that for that show. Um, so I'll see them on that Sunday and. Either I might, if it might come up either early Sunday or maybe just say, ah, I'm still working out. It's not your problem. If you, need, if you need a place to crash, let me know. Oh, excellent. All right. So, um, unless anybody has any other pressing business, I'm going to plow forward with my platform here. Of... I know you've been pent up for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> Spotlight yes. is yours. All right. So, uh, perhaps you uh, heard me mention before that uh, in February, and I actually mentioned the show earlier than that, that I was uh, going to um, Los Angeles and London in back-to-back weekends. Insanity. Well, I went out to Los Angeles first, uh, Valentine's Day weekend, uh, for Gallifrey One, which is a fan-run Doctor Who convention. It's been going on for this was their 27th mm. annual convention. Wow. And... They limit the attendance. It's only around 3,500 or so, but they, they bring in a lot of big names. I had John Hurt was there this year who played the War Doctor. Uh, the Fifth Doctor, um, Peter Davison, was there. Colin Bicker, the Sixth Doctor, was there, plus many other cast and crew and uh, creative people with Doctor Who uh, over the years come to the convention. So it was my second year going to it, and uh, I very much like going to it because February in L.A. is so much better than February back home here. <laughs> Because when I was out there, I think that Valentine's Day morning, it was, like, I think zero degrees uh, Fahrenheit here, plus, like, with a nasty wind chill, as I recall. It was, like, really, like, in the negative wind chill. So I was happy to be in L.A., where I was safe and warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, very, very fun time. I want to, and I'm, throughout my convention circuit here, I want to give a, a bunch of thank yous and shout-outs to listeners and people that I met. Absolutely. Um, First and foremost, actually, first, I want to go backwards a bit, because you mentioned in one of the other episodes uh, that Rob Anderson had sent us in some preacher trades. Indeed. A couple of them are still sitting there. Yes. Well, uh, I have read up through, about halfway through uh, trade number eight, and there's only, <laughs> there's only nine trades, so I'm very close to, to getting to the end. And actually, the Preacher TV series debuts in May on AMC. Mm. Uh, it was just announced. So I did bring back up to issue trade number seven here. So everybody else wants to partake in them in the studio, you certainly may. I, I think I'd be on board. You mentioned a book of the month club, possibly. Right. Yeah. Possibly doing the first two volumes. I think I'd be on board with that, especially if you can time it in time for the uh, uh, TV series coming on. You're not necessarily related, but... Uh, it would be timely. So anyway, just again, thank you to Rob uh, for that. I did On my travels back and forth across the country and, and uh, the Atlantic Ocean, I did read some of the trades there. But uh, first, first, I want to thank uh, for uh, Gallifrey, uh, Gallifrey was Rod Hendrick, listener of ours. He's been listening for quite a while. Lives in North Carolina. Uh, he first, I first started watching Doctor Who uh, in 2013, in I think like February. And later that year, I went to Heroes Con in North Carolina, and he was there. He told me about this convention, Gallifrey One. Of course, by that time, it was sold out for 2014. So it kept in the back of my mind, and then when it came around for the next time to to go, I got a ticket, and. He's been there many times, and he actually let me stay with him, so we cut down the cost. He's a roommate, so it was very kind of him. We did that again this year in 2016. And uh, we actually rented a car on Thursday and drove around Los Angeles for a while. Hmm. And thank God he was driving, because good Lord, the traffic out there just made me mental. Infamous worldwide. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I've I've been to New York. I've driven to New York a little bit, but New York is great. I can walk around New York. Can't walk around L.A. too much. Um, so we had to have to drive everywhere. So our first stop was to go up to Griffith's Observatory. Um, 
we actually got up there too early and it wasn't quite open yet. So I was like, oh, we didn't, we didn't get to go there. But that was, afforded us a wonderful view of Los Angeles and a nice view of the Hollywood sign. Up there. So I got a picture with myself at the Hollywood sign. Well, not at it, but within the background of the Hollywood sign. Uh, but then from there, we just went hit a bunch of comic shops. Uh, I hit a few the last time I was there, but I hit a few more this time. So we hit Secret Headquarters, Golden Apple, Meltdown, Blast Off, and House of Secrets. You know, we spent the rest of the day just, you know, touring the comic shops. And actually managed to buy at least something for every comic shop there. Of course. Right. Spreading the love around. Spread, spreading the, what pants has, everyone has it, basically. <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. This is the third person that I so deeply missed. <laughs> Fantastic, sir. Hold I'm on. sorry. I... No, no, don't apologize. Well, it's, it's, be- it's better than Bob Dole. Come on, keep it up. <laughs> uh, Pansy, how are the back issues in these shops? Well, some were better than others. Now, Secret Headquarters was our first stop, and it was described to me as more of like a, a hipster comic shop, mm-hmm. which it was, you know, small, a lot of wooden paneling there. You know, most of the um, things were like current issues, but they also had a lot of. Uh, like independent, like uh, real independent books. I was just going to ask what the zine slash exactly that, like. that that kind of, of thing there, which uh, I've seen a few other places there, but a lot of like uh, local talent, and so that was you know what uh, the rest of the, I mean they had the usual trade and things, but not much in the line of, of, of back issues there. Um, Golden Apple had um, a, a pretty good um, recent, let's say the last 10, 15 years uh, of back issues. They had a whole bunch of dollar books. They weren't in the best kind of order, though. So, <laughs> um, but uh, they also had, you know, the, you know, the current toys and, and things. They actually had, I think, some original art up on the walls there as well. But when I was looking through there in the back, you can see you had the pull list for the for the customers, and I saw one of the names back there, right in the front, was David Mandel. <laughs> of course, you know, former writer of Seinfeld, mm-hmm. uh, I think, showrunner for Veep. Uh, huge comic fan, huge original writer art. of the Euro Trip movie. He mm. he wrote the Bizarro Jerry episode yeah. of Seinfeld. So, huge, yeah. huge comic fan. Doesn't he have the cover to Giant Size X Men One? Ah, uh, you know what? I you, now you have me curious. He he, he may have actually because I know he he actually has the big splash page from uh, the Dark Knight with uh, Batman and Robin flying over the city and. Uh-huh. You know, that he paid, I believe it was, in his public record, you know, over $450,000 for. God. Yes. And he's done a little bit of work here and there in comics themselves, too. Yes, the, yes. Um, that Hank Johnson ate yes. the Hydra one-shot. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was fun. And actually, he talked about that. Uh, he did uh, the uh, Felix U uh, comic art podcast. He was in the second. I think I mentioned that to you before. Um, where he talked about uh, his work on the comics, his, you know, his original art and everything. And, uh, yeah, fascinating. So I'm just going to, while we're chatting here, I'm going to try and pull up to see if he does have the cover. And, you know, he actually might. I think he also has some of the uh, Dare, uh, Daredevil covers of um, Born again? Miller's, Miller's run. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Giant size X-Men cover. Yes, he has. He also has Daredevil 181 cover. Ugh. Yes. And the Iron Man 1 cover with Gene Colan art. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, he's, he's a big-time uh, comic art collector. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was a Golden Apple. Um, Meltdown Comics actually is, was a very large, had a lot of shopping space. They had, all se- they had a separate section in there for, like, toys. I think they had a guy manning a toy counter. They had a guy manning the comic counter. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of different, like, a, lot, a lot of trades there, a lot of, uh, they used to have a back part of the store where I believe is, uh, they have, like, a, a comedy club back there, or open mic night kind of thing. I, I, I recall, I think they record some podcasts in the, in the back as, as well. 
Uh, but and they, you know, very also pretty good back issue selection. They had them in actually like wooden uh, drawer pullout drawers there. Mm-hmm, swanky. Yeah. Uh, but my, my favorite, as it was last time, was Blast Off Comics. Uh, their wall books are like wall books. Um, and I'm talking, there's, you know, Silver Age, Golden Age books up on the wall, Sensation Comics issues, Batman in, like, the 20s uh, comics, you know, on, on the wall. And, of course, are very high, so I can't reach them. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise, like, ooh, touch. Um, you know, Silver Age, you know, Marvel, DC, Bronze. And and then they have bins to go through. And I'm like, oh, here's, like, Just League, uh, you know, the Crisis um, on Earth 3 is in there. Crisis on Earth 2 is in there. Oh, my God, you early. So I, I, these are the box books. These are the these are Yeah. <laughs> You know, good stuff. And in the, in the case there, oh, they have like two copies of Amazing Spider-Man One. One of them signed by Stanley. You know, right there in the case is like, oh, blah 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 blah. Wow, two copies of ASM number yeah. one. That's that's a mark of class. Yes. And uh, this is the shop that is, I think, also called by uh, the Tiptons. Um, Scott Tipton also does some writing for Doctor Who comics mm, as well. Right, right. And you know, J.K. Woodward, Woodward frequents that shop. There's some of his art on the wall as well. Uh, I really like, I really like that shop there. But another cool shop that I checked out was House of Secrets. It was my first time there, and they had a massive back issue selection as well there, and they had posters and things. Like, the entire ceiling was postered with comic art, and, you know, it was just really cool, really cool atmosphere there. I really, really liked it like that. So that was a lot of fun. And as I imagine, buy at least something from all, all the shops there. I haven't read everything I bought there because I bought some... Current things, like, like I think well, I did read the Vision number one. I picked that up from Tom King. Uh, you liked what you saw. I did like what I saw. Now I have to, you know, track down some of the other issues at, at some yep. point. We're up to number five now. Yes, number I, five I, just saw came I saw that. I saw that. Pants, I can bring you the rest if you want. Oh, when I, next time I come to the studio. Excellent. Oh, and I'm I'm getting it at some point. Um, please, if I can borrow someone's lock and key trade. Happy to. I'd like to like to read that because I missed the the book of the month that I hear good things about the whole series. And oh yes, well, well, so did we. That's why we decided it was about yes. time we yielded to listener demand and uh, give that series a try. Yes. Very glad we did. Yes. So you know, we spent a couple hours driving around L.A. and uh, I think we might have passed the same location twice and going different directions, and we could have saved time if we had a map of where the best spots are. We just hit the GPS and went from there. So anyway, I'm I'm manning the GPS, and we're heading back to the to the hotel. And I'm looking at these street names coming up, and here comes Slauson Avenue. And I get really excited. I said, oh, my God, if we stop there, I'm taking a picture to sign. Now, people might go, why the hell, Pants, would you take a picture of Slauson Avenue? What does it mean to you? Well, if you know Johnny Carson history at all and his Tea Time movies, you'll know what I'm talking about. Actually, come to our school in person. How do you get there, you ask? How do we get there? Yes, you take the San Diego Freeway to the Ventura Freeway to the Slauson Cutoff. Get out of the car, cut off your Slauson, get back in the car and drive six miles so you see a pack of wild dogs sniffing Doris Day. Not- <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God, when I saw that, oh my God, it's Slauson. Oh. It may have nothing to do with Slauson Cutoff, but I. That was, that was exciting for me. I might have done the same thing. <laughs> Just outside of Wilmington, Delaware, there's an Augustine cutoff. And every time I drive past it on my way to Stone Harbor, I say, pull over to the side of the road, get out of your car, cut off your Augustine, get back in your car. And I, I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in the, in the travels in New Jersey, I came across like a fork in the road. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so and then we went back to the hotel, and then we saw Deadpool that night. It opened. It opened that, that Thursday night. I saw it in L.A.? I saw it in L.A., yes. Right. And, of course, I howled. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that 
to that later. So again, big thanks to Rod Hendrick for you know putting with me for the uh, <laughs> the trip there. I dropped my butt around on, on Thursday. As before the con, so the con started on Friday, and uh, I'm in line to get in Friday, and a guy gets in line behind me, and he goes Brian Pants Chrisman. I thought, wait, a minute. I looked down my badge, didn't have pants on. So this guy, ooh, so he knew who I was. His name was Alan Irwin. I lives out in California, and he was actually cosplaying as John Hurt's War Doctor. <laughs> Did a great job. Been listening since episode seventeen. Wow! Thank you, sir. Yes, That's I think long attention. Span. I think you said one of <laughs> one, one of the topics that was talked about early on, or, or discussion. Brian and Peter, I think, was we're talking about what kind of tape to use on you know back issues. And he said. <laughs> He said, well, that's my kind of show there. <laughs> so, And actually, I think he saw a bunch of us at uh, Comic-Con in 2008. So I think he might have seen me in passing or whatever. But I think he you know, saw you and you know, met Jamie at, at, least, at least briefly. So, you know, I, I went to the opening panel that day. And, um, you know, uh, around 11 o'clock, I had much, much of my day planned to spend most of it in panels with uh, talking to, listen to actors talk and, you know, have interviews with them and Q&A. Because a lot of people, I just don't know about their history, and it was very fascinating stuff. So that was my plan for most of the day. So I really had to hit the um, dealer's room early, you know, like around 11 o'clock. So I walked around a little bit. I uh, didn't see a whole lot that I had to get right away, but just kept the back of my mind for later on. What kind of things do dealers sell at a Doctor Who-specific convention? Well, they sell uh, the audio books. They sell uh, some of the comic books, some of the uh, Target paperback books, um, you know, jewelry T-shirts, uh, photos. Several of the uh, guests are in there to sign autographs. Um, there's some of the creators in there. Charlie Kirkhoff was in there. Had a, had a table. Um, a lot of toys and so forth. So, and a couple artists, which which I'll, I'll get back to later because I was in there for a little while. Because then I had to go, and I was getting a picture with John Hurt. Where they have the photo booth, and you go in, and you know, boom, it's you know like a cattle line, just get you in and out. But while I was getting a line, I ran an Allen again. So we got to talking again, and he was asking me about original art because he knows I collect art, and he was asking me questions about, you know, how do you decide what to collect, where do you find it? So you know, I was talking about, you know, you know, going on eBay or you know, going to artists at cons and you know, talking to them and seeing their art, and you know, you know, buy what you like, uh, you know, just you know, don't buy to to resell necessarily, but just buy what you really like, which I've done, and I I I enjoyed that very much. So we had a very nice chat about art. Got the picture around noon, and then. I get had a boom in the panel rooms for the rest of the day, and you know I, I saw uh, Missy, um, Michelle Gomez talk. She actually was on uh, the Gotham show as I think the the lady. I believe she played the lady. I don't know if you've all talked about that murder. I kind of stopped watching after about the fourth or fifth episode of the season. Ah, anyway, probably missed it completely. But she played Missy on Doctor Who. Uh, Nicola Bryant, who played Perry, uh, Ingrid Oliver played Osgood. Nev McIntosh, who played Madame Vasher. That's all. Fraser Hines, who played Jamie and Peter Davison. So I was. Pretty much in panels for like hours, and I was having a great time just listening to people talk. It was great. So, towards the end of the, of the show, I um, went back into the dealer's room and ran an Allen again. And he actually was taking pictures with with somebody had you knows he was cosplaying. So that's and he was one of the better dressed a um, board doctors I, I thought at the con. <laughs> and how many did you see? About three or four. Well, you know, because John Hurt was there, so I wanted to oh, cosplay. Plus, you know, everybody, almost every character who was not who we saw somebody there dressed over the weekend. Any adipose? I didn't see any adipose. Oh, well, you got me on that one there, Mark. That would be something though. There were several Cybermen, though, of course, a couple of Daleks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was like old and new Cybermen. Yeah, they had to, had four of all the different four were all together. The different four styles it was really cool. Yes. So I, I saw Alan at dealer's room, and he, he's got this plastic thing, and inside of it, it's a piece of piece of art. I say, like, what do you have there, Alan? And it turns out there was an artist in there who I overlooked when I was in there hours earlier. Um, Blair Blair Shed. Blair Shedd, S-H-E-D-D, who worked on the Doctor Who book from Titan Comics of the ninth Doctor, which was my favorite Doctor. It was a miniseries. And Alan had issue one, page one. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it's not a spectacular page, but it's, it's the first page, and it's pretty cool. And now, he only works uh, digitally, so I only had the pencils for that page. And I was like, oh, man. I said, Alan, if, if, if I saw that earlier, you would not have that page. But that was like, oh. But honestly, I was like, Alan, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You found something you liked, and, and you're very happy with it. And then, he, and then Alan says to me, you know, he really didn't bring a whole lot of other originals, but he has a cover over there. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so I went over to his table, and sure enough, he had the uh, original pencils to the cover for issue one of that miniseries, and now it's now in my collection. So <laughs> it has the Ninth Doctor, Rose, and uh, Jack Harkness on it, and so I now am the proud owner of <laughs> the artwork for that, and I would have noticed it had it not been for running the Allen again for like the, the third time. So that was very cool, and I told my comic book art fan, so... Uh, then the, even they had a whole bunch of actually evening programming as well. So they had a Doctor Who Year in Comics review panel. And one of the cool things about the panels at Gallifrey One is they'll announce them. And if you want to be a panelist, you can submit that and be a member of the panel. So Rod Hedrick was on this panel. So Rod got up there with Paul Cornell, um, Richard Starkings, couple other podcasters talking about Doctor Who and Comics in 2015. And I actually saw Alan in the audience there again. So that was a very cool panel. So that was Friday. <laughs> Saturday started off. I'm walking in downstairs in the lobby. It's, it's, it's in the um, uh, Marriott Hotel down on, on the lower, lowest floor. And they have a huge ballroom for the big panel, small panel rooms for the other panels. I'm walking around, and I recognize somebody cosplaying. You know who Todd Nock is, the artist? Oh, sure. Young Todd Young A. Nock, yes, a frequent partner of uh, Peter David. Yes. Yep. He was cosplaying as the 10th Doctor, played by, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank here. Do not use me as a life. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant. I don't know why I'm blind up. It's David Tennant. Oh, Daniel will be ashamed of you, Pants. Oh. Well, but he, he was in full regalia. So I talked to him. He goes, yeah, I just got the cosplaying bug. And he, he got like the actual jacket and... Like mailed away to Australia to get the, the frames for the glasses and got them filled with his own prescription. I'm like, oh my god! And actually, Todd has, has done a couple of variant covers for the upcoming uh, series Doctor Who. So it's like that is very cool. Mm -hmm. So Todd Nagas, all he was cosplaying, awesome. Um, and my, my next shout out goes to uh, to Julie Benson, a uh, listener of ours. Uh, probably actually was the highlight of my convention and the whole weekend meeting her. She was just, was just wonderful. And you may be saying to yourself, Pants, I heard you mention the podcast before. Well, you would be right. Previously on Comic Geek Speak. 
episode 1570. So am I going to see you at any shows in the future or just uh, just the local stuff? Well, I mean... I didn't, I didn't see anybody at Comic-Con this year, any of the Geek Speak guys. No, well, we didn't make it out there. Oh, I, I did see a couple people um, took pictures with you. Actually, one of our listeners, uh, I think her name was Julie Benson, posted a photo of... Uh, she was like, really excited to meet you at uh, Comic-Con. Oh, very hot. Oh, yeah? Very, <laughs> Julie, I would give, I didn't say anything to her in person, but I would give it to her very hard. Very, very hard. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I, and she couldn't tell because I wore, I was wearing a suit, but I had a boner. I had a boner when I was talking. And if she, and if, she, and if she's listening, I got like, like, maybe eight out of ten would. You know, like in the hustler gauge of how they gauge porno movies. Very hot. And I thought it was all bullshit. I thought maybe I owed her money from high school or I was a student loan agent. But when she came and she said some shit about the, about geek speak, I thought, what? Oh my God. But yeah, I guess she's a writer. Real super, super nice. Mm -hmm. She was very talented. She was there with her sister. And, you know, I was hoping they wanted to make a sandwich, but they just wanted to say hi, and they said, hey. And with that, we have to tag this episode as explicit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Sal. <laughs> but the reason why, why I played that is because she posted on the forums, of course, after the episode aired, uh, that she <laughs> was very excited to actually hear her name on her. She, she says her favorite podcast and then Sal giving her points, she goes, amazing, badge of honor. She goes, thank you, Pants. I'm just sad the rest of the crew didn't hear my accolades. So now some of the rest of the crew have heard about that. <laughs> but anyway, she got in touch. I guess she got in touch through you, Bird. Ah, uh, well, yes. Because she heard I was going to Gallifrey, one on the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she wanted to know if uh, well, she'd see maybe some of us out there. And Well, we have been discussing other stuff. That, uh, right, right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned that, uh, yeah, she would indeed see you out there. She thought maybe you might go out there again. And I said, yeah, maybe you should, uh, she wanted to know if she should say hi if she saw you. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, yes, definitely do. And I mentioned that you, you know, Uncle Sal, and that'll give you, that, that, that'll be your authentication, uh, to him. And I guess, uh, she, did she then get in touch with you? Well, and, uh, this, cause we had our, um, CGS wild pig retreat mm-hmm. uh, in the woods of New Jersey about a week before I went out there and Merkin comes up to me when he gets here and he goes, does the name Julie Benson ring a bell? I'm like, yeah, well, yes, it does. So I, uh, I uh, got in touch with her on the forums, and we, we worked it out. And so, yeah, I, I uh, met her for lunch, well, on, the, on Saturday. And, again, because of the traffic there, she actually just got there right around 1 o'clock for lunch. She went right up there and just didn't even get her bag. Just came right up and uh, met me the, at the, uh, like, there's, like, a little sports-type bar. Upstairs, so we had we had a very nice lunch, and we just she was wonderful. I mean, just like Sal said, just super nice. You know, we, we talk comics, we talk Doctor Who, talk monkeys. Uh, she's a monkeys fan, not 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 ooh, ooh, monkeys. You know, the monkeys, the, the TV show, and the band. I would have believed either one. <laughs> and you know, of course, you know, talked about you know her. She, she's a writer on the Hundred on the CW with her sister Shauna, who actually I did meet her as well. She was there with her as well. Uh, Gave her a couple of things I grabbed from the studio, a couple of CGS buttons. Got a JMD button, some CGS buttons, and I, because... <laughs> An iHeart Murd button. Right, because we were out of the iHeart <laughs> pants button, so I got the next best thing was the iHeart Murd button. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Although I have now since found the iHeart pants button. Pant button. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a competition, or is it? You can always mail it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
and of course, we got to want to talk about the podcast. So I'm going to sort of diverge here for a minute, and just bear with me here. Astute listeners of the show, we have a lot of people who listen, and a lot of them who pay attention, may have noticed that, you know, for like the last six months or so, I was not on the podcast. And she asked me about that. She goes, did they kick you off the podcast? I said, no, they didn't throw me off the podcast. It was a self-imposed exile. She was worried that there might have been a schism of sorts. No, we're fine. It was a self-imposed exile. I I had, quite frankly, a crisis of confidence. Um, you know, back, back like, in 2013, I actually, you know, left the show and did a whole thing about that on the air. And a lot of those same feelings came back that, you know, I just didn't feel like I had anything to say at all. And she goes, oh, no, don't worry. No, we want you back on the show. And as I was trying to explain to her, and it's like, you know, I, we're not always topical. And I'm not always keep, oh, no, that's fine. We want, you know, we want you back on the show. So, you know, she wasn't hearing, wasn't hearing any of this. She wasn't <laughs> taking any of it. She's a lady who knows what she wants. That's right. Because I, I came to you guys and basically told you guys I was done. I pretty said, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm out. You know, have fun. You know, call me if you need me. But, you know, I'm, I'm done. And so we got to talking. Uh, and. I, I, I think she honestly was trying to represent the listeners, and I get that a lot when, I'm, when I meet the fans out on the, the listeners, I call, I call them fans, all over the place. Because I'm the only one out there, they always try to express their feelings on the show to me and to you guys. Right. And you get to be the ambassador. I get to be the ambassador, if you will. And this happened to me in London, which I'll get to. To a man and a woman, everybody came up to me and said, Pants, we want you back on the show. What's the problem? And I said, well, I've already saw. Julie was the first one who got to me <laughs> to talk to me in person about this, and she wasn't having it, so it's like I said, "Oh, oh you know, okay, Julie, you know, I'll I'll be back on, I'll come back on the show." So I, I talked to guys, and yes, I'm man up in every episode, but I'm going to be another voice, you know, on the show. And you know, even before that, there were the occasional Facebook post or tweet. I mean, even I got a very nice uh, forum message from Brawlinator. You know, I don't know how to respond to those things with, with just typing that. I'm just awful at that. So she was actually the first person to outside the air to come and talk to me about this and so yeah she she convinced me so but so we have her to blame about that quite frankly <laughs> or 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 not that, that's up to you i'm inclined to say thank brian we're happy to have you back in our midst again oh thank absolutely you. absolutely thank you very much and um so you know we waited we waited nice and again she she bought lunch so you know, <laughs> thank you for that is another reason why she's so favored well, you bought me lunch doesn't doesn't take much to get me uh <laughs> Get on my my uh, list there. Toss a mistake. Toss a mistake. Oh, you know, we, we talked for over an hour or so, and then I went ahead back after head back to the panels, and she came down and did the panel with me for a while. And, you know, we were hanging out there for a while, and then another panel comes in, and we move up closer, and she's still with me there. I'm like, I was kind of getting. I don't want to take up all for time. I mean, she just got here. She came to see me. It's like you know, it, it's just pants. Go do go do other things. I mean, I don't. I didn't want her to leave. Also, <laughs> so, like you haven't had a good time with her there. But then the fickle finger of fate would have it in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the bat panel with the two doctors, Colin Baker and Peter Davison. The fire alarm went off. <laughs> so in in the middle of this crowd of ball, we're all looking around and it's like, oh, not maybe people are leaving, and it's still going off. And I thought, you know. This could be an actual fire. We're in a big hotel. We're in a, let's just get out. So we got up and we, we walked out and. As we literally were about to step outside, it got called off. <laughs> so I headed back in, and then she said, well, you know, it's, I said, okay, fine, I'll go do other things. So we, we, we said goodbyes then. But then later on, I was at a panel, like around 6 in the evening, 
which was uh, a Marvel in the 70s, DC in the 80s panel. Oh, wow. With Paul Cornell, Marv Wolfman, Scott Tipton, Arnie Starr. So that was a very nice panel. But in the middle, I got a text from her saying, oh, I'm getting ready to leave. Can I say goodbye? So yeah, sure. So we met outside. And again, she said, now you're going back on the show, right? You're going back on the show, right? It's <laughs> like, yes, yeah, I'm going back on the show again. So again, absolute delight. Like, like Sal said, just, you know, super, super nice. And uh, I think I made a new friend, actually. So that was, that was very nice. And uh, at some point in the not too distant future, you can hear her side of the story. I, mean, I, I actually have her on, come on the show. And she's, I think I have her convinced that she's got things to talk about. I mean, she worked on the lock and key pilot, the failed pilot for the Fox, which she mentioned on her forums there. Yes, she did, which is that was a new thing that I learned there, too. Yes. And, of course, she's got the, the 100 on the CW. Right, and the episode that she wrote with her sister is coming up. I believe it's going to air sometime in April. I think she wrote episode 13. Not that there was an episode called 13, but the number 13. So I want to have her get on and talk about that and, you know, maybe a few other things in her future there. So big thank you to, to Julie for putting up with me for a couple hours. Then Sunday was kind of a day just to get some more autographs and go to a couple more panels. But... Because I was going to London that next weekend and leaving that Wednesday night, I took the red eye out from L.A. to back home on Sunday night. So I was up like all – because I can't fall asleep on planes. So I was up for like almost the whole day and the whole night flying back to – I flew into New York and then from New York to Philly. And actually it's good Shane's not here, but Shane said he would listen to the episode because on the flight from New York to Philly, holy crap. About five minutes into the, the flight, it's a smaller plane. We just took a couple of dips, and for about, about ten seconds there, I thought it was done. I grabbed the seat in front of us, hold on for dear life, and then it stopped, and then I got a, oh, that's fine. Then I, had to, I, I felt normal and everything, but holy cow, was I scared for like about ten seconds. Shane's hair would be turning white just oh as my. right now. God. Shane doesn't like flying, folks. Yes, I know. But anyway, so I, I made it back. Got home Monday around 11 o'clock back home. Then flew out to London for the fifth London Super Comic Convention. That Wednesday night got to London. Actually, Brian was on my flight. Brian Deanberg and I flew out together. But he sleeps on the plane. So he was in the back. Had a whole row to himself. Was lying down. I was up, up watching. I actually watched Carp on Game of Thrones Season 5. So I'm not caught up with that. <laughs> uh, love flying uh, British Airways. Uh, but going to London was more of a a working con for me. You know, I help out um, with uh, setting up the convention, literally setting up the convention, or physically setting up tables and chairs and displays and things. And then Friday I was checking in the uh, the exhibitors and the artists. And then Saturday and Sunday I, I worked the artist alley floor. I was assigned an aisle, and, you know, I worked the floor. So I worked pretty much three straight 12-hour days. So because of how I... Had it scheduled, I didn't really have much time to do anything else in London because uh, I had to get back home. I was already on a two-week vacation from work. They was like, okay, two weeks. You, you can have two weeks, but no more. It's like, because I wanted to go to Cardiff in Wales. Uh, finally see the Doctor Who. Well, actually, I saw it a few years ago, but there's a new Doctor since then, so I wanted to go see the new exhibit. But it was quite closed Monday and Tuesday, so it's like, crap. I, I, I can't spend that much more time in there. Plus... Brian and his wife, Tosh, who Tosh came over on Sunday, they went to Spain after the convent, convention. So I was like, and by myself, I was like, I'm, you know, I just decided to go home. So, you know, thinking about it, obviously I should have done something to go out and tour and explore more of Europe, like Ireland or Scotland, which we talked about that next year, mm-hmm. 
You're going to try to get out there? Join the Brotherhood of the Traveling Pants oh. and uh, <laughs> maybe head north. That would be great. Yes. I've always wanted to go to Scotland. I have roots there. You do? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Murdo is a Scottish name. Scotch-Irish. My family's last port of call before coming to the U.S. was Londonderry, Ireland. Well, that's awesome. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to visit that place and eat some, well, in person, some haggis. Oh, you, <laughs> you daredevil, you. Mm, yes, because I, I smuggled some haggis over last time. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but, uh, Hello, John Richardson, for being a part of that. Yes. My accomplice, if you will. And we're trying to get Shane to get over his fear of flying and come with us next time. Because, uh, not to get mauling or anything, but if I've learned nothing over the last two years... Things can happen, and you got to just take advantage of all the opportunities you can. There may not be a next year. Mm. So, you know, just for, for, for anything, I mean, I, I, I feel there will be another convention next year, but just an overall, you know, you just, you just never know. So I want to take advantage of it as much as I can. So I'm happy to have you come along next year and maybe do some more traveling. All right. But um, the aisle that I worked back in Artist Alley, uh, some of the big names in my aisle were um, Alex Molev and Tom Palmer. So, you know, what I had to do was to sort of, you know, watch their cues, if needed to get a break, uh, take them to a panel. They had a panel, take them to a signing, just general maintenance in the area. And, you know, of course, be open for anybody, staff question, anybody has any question where people are. Um, and oh, I still met a lot of listeners back there. They still knew where, where to find me and, you know, no recognize me and what have you there. So... Now, again, I wish I could have spent more time with them, but I was just so – so after the con Saturday, working a 12-hour shift, got back through. My intent was to go out and hang out at the local pub, but I got back in the room. And it's like I'm in the bed. It's like, you know, 7.30, I was out. <laughs> now, I, I joke about being out at like 9 o'clock at cons. I was zonked, I, so I – you were on your feet an awful lot. I was. Keeping track of your uh, footsteps? Yeah, I, I, you know, like 20,000 steps or whatever, <laughs> like each day. And those those floors are unforgiving because carpeting costs a lot of money. So right, so it's just bare cement. <laughs> just, that's a cement. But, um, yeah, well, so that's, that's the Christmas barn for you, too, yeah. so I, I understand what you, what you went through. So got to give a couple of shout-outs to some of the folks I met. Of course, as always, I met Dr. Eamon Clark over there. Caliban of the Forums, long-time listener. And message for you, Murd. He wants you, and he was trying to find a copy of it over there. Do you have a copy of Superman, Superman Annual Number 11 for The Man Who Has Everything? Man Who Everything. I do not, actually. Okay. We need, I have it in trade. We need to get you, he needs you to read it and talk about it on the air. That's a specific request from, from Dr. Clark. Yeah, I would be delighted. Absolutely. We'd be delighted to hear you about it. So I'll, I'll make that happen. It's only one of the best Superman stories ever written. Yes. By Alan Moore, who wrote what may be my single favorite non-crisis story of all time, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. So, oh, that's another one. Yeah. But you've read that. Uh, oh, yes, many times. Absolutely. But and one of the things Eamon does is he um, gets a lot of autographs and for like 2000 AD, and he, he raises money for cancer uh, research over in the U.K. That's right, because he lost a brother to it yes. not long ago, didn't he? And, you know, his father passed away also recently. I don't know if it was from cancer, but his father passed away recently as well. So, again... Good to see you again, Dr. Clark, and thank you for, for everything. I wish I could have spent more time, but he was in a lot of queues getting signatures and so forth, and uh, very good to see him. Of course, we saw I saw the Williams clan, uh, Dave Williams, his wife, Ange, and uh, the son, Lucas. And again, I wish I got spent more time with him, because Dave is like all over. He like, goes to Sydney every like couple of weeks, it yeah, seems. he's lugging a lot of air miles, from, judging by his Facebook feed. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he was just in Sydney before he came to back back to the U.K., so... 
I did get to tap, tap them a little bit, but, you know, we'll spend more time. And that's my goal next year is to hopefully next year uh, the convention with Gallifrey and London aren't so back-to-back. So I want to go to both again next year. Because, again, February in L.A., you know, Hillary <laughs> talked about that. Um, I already mentioned to you before that I met uh, Peter and Jenny from Scotland. They the one who gave us all the, the sweets. Mm, yes, the iron boilers, I think yes. they were called. Yes, and now Brian had most of that before he went to Spain, so I didn't bring – I brought back some of the iron brew stuff. So. Right, right, and I did uh, suck a couple of them down while I was uh, well, preparing an episode last week. Yes. yes. Those are sort of orange cream flavored Yeah, things, so, so those I managed to bring back. So thank you, Peter. Yes. Uh, a thank you and a shout-out to Adam Hope, who actually is the Adam mm-hmm. who had the birthday wish on our previous episode. Mm-hmm. It is confirmed. Yes. Uh, he brought me some Doctor Who stuff, which I can tell you, Adam, yes, does work on my uh, computer because I was worried about the whole PAL UK thing. I got a couple of videos and actually can play them. It was actually weird how I met him on – I met him last year, but I met him on Saturday. Alex Malev took a very huge sketch list, and he had a specific signing – at a signing area at like 2 o'clock. So he made me put up a sign saying, you know, please no signatures because he has to do his work. So I was very nice and being polite. Say, hey, you know, folks, just come to the signing. He has to do his work. So Adam was ready to get some stuff signed, and I said, no, he has to. And he goes, oh, this is kind of awkward. I'm Adam. I was like, ooh, sorry, Adam. <laughs> just, just, do, just do my job, sir. But he, he was cool about it. So I'm glad to see him. He, he's actually one of the guys who actually asked me, Hey, do you have time to go out to lunch ahead of time? It's like, you know, I, I wish I could, but I'm literally working the convention. I really don't have any time to get away. And then, of course, I zonked out at night. So, again, I'll try to spend more time to or have a way to get more. Again, I'm the bastard of the show mm-hmm. to, to meet the listeners, I, I feel. But, again, you'll be there next year, so you have my, my, you're my backup there. Right, I can you know, <laughs> cut your load in half that way. Yes. Met a listener named Temu. Timu, perhaps it's pronounced Timu. I think it's Temu, because he's, he's Finnish, right? Yes, he's from Helsinki. Temu Rotswolin. Oh, my God, you actually tried it. <laughs> Rotswolinen. Oh, he, he can maybe phoneticize it for us later. Wow. He, he follows our Facebook feed yes, very closely. Yes. We can count on him to like almost everything and he, he posts. He tweeted, he tweeted that he met me and Brian. And that, this was his first con. This was his first con. Really? Yeah. And he was very nice and, and so happy. He felt he needed to do something. He gave me 30 pounds to do something to help out with the studio. Wow. So Very generous of it. Yes. Oh, thank you, sir. It's very kind. But I, I didn't get converted to dollars. But actually, when the, the folks come over from London at the art show, I'll get them to give me some cash for this uh, U.S. Right. style. So we'll figure out something for the, for the studio. I don't know what, but we'll... They'll give you a better exchange rate than you could get around here. That's correct. Anyway. So this you see, I, I have the money. I didn't pocket it and yep. spend it. On... He's showing us the notes right now. <laughs> and the other thing, you UK people, why are there different sizes for these things? That's ridiculous. <laughs> the 10 to the 20 are different sizes. That's nuts. Oh, they'd have some words for us about how ridiculous I know it is they would. I'm, the just, I'm just joshing. Um, now, I, I didn't catch his last one. Remember, we've seen before at New York in the last year, uh, listener Paul. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is this the one? Did he have his son with him? Was no, that's, that's Paul Stevens. Okay. Son, Kit. I want to say Yates, but I'm by, by no means certain of that. Because I know you have a memory for names and things so yeah, forth. More than for some other things, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not infallible, of course. So okay. I apologize to you, Paul, the Paul of whom we speak, if I got your name wrong just now. But got to chat with him a little bit because a lot of these guys were going through Artist Alley. And again, speaking of Paul Stevens, mm-hmm. got to see him and his, and his son Kit. He actually was a Paul, got in the queue for a Steve Dillon head sketch, which was quite a wait because he, he was just hammering them out about 40 quid for a nice head sketch. And he actually did venture get it. He got a, a kingpin um, head sketch. Hmm. So he's, that was one of his goals, and I'm very happy that he got that. Nice. Uh, got to see 
Paul Monk and his son William again. Now, do you remember William from last year? William. His young son William, who was dressed as the Golden Age Flash. Uh, this rings a distant bell. Yes, because we, at, at the panel, we got a prize that gave him a sketch card of the Golden Age Flash. Ah. He was back this year dressed as the Golden Age Green Lantern. <laughs> so it's very cool to, to see them again. Awesome. Yes. It's good to see the Golden Age DC characters' memory being kept alive by the younger generation. Yes, yes. Doing very a better cool. job of it than DC themselves are doing, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> and then saw, uh, saw Ryan and Helen again. They're actually uh, from uh, South Africa originally. Mm hmm, right. Got to see them. Oh, you remember them. Very good. I do remember talking to them at length. Yeah, they were going to go on a cruise to the Americas, and I advised that they try some angry orchard cider when they got here. <laughs> well, good news. They're expecting their first child coming up soon. All right. Way to go, guys. So, very good to see them. And there's actually one more shout-out I forgot to give during the, uh, the episode. Uh, a listener of ours named Mo uh, was over there. He was actually part of the press. He was taking photos uh, of goings-on at the con. Actually, took a few of me on uh, action. Uh, like I said, a long-time listener, and told me he got out of comics years ago, but still likes listening to us, you know, talk about the, the current stuff. And now, he asked us also to uh, discuss uh, Secret Wars on the air. So, Mo, um, like I say, I forgot to mention during the episode, but I will, I think, I'm sure, pretty sure Chris has read it and up-to-date on it. I'm not sure about Shane, so I'll talk to him and see if we can get that uh, comic talk on the air for, for Secret Wars. Uh, I, I didn't really get to do um, much... Um Spending because I was actually working at the convention, but I did pick up a copy of Daredevil I didn't have, issue 183 with the Punisher cover. Remember that one, Chris? Of course. Yes. And, you know, I bought a cover for Doctor Who when I was in Gallifrey 1, so I kind of bought a cover for Doctor Who when I was over in the UK. Well, of course. Um, one for each continent. That's right. Mark <laughs> Buckingham, talented artist, lovely guy. He had a, a cover of, that he did for IDW. Uh, issue 13 of their run, and I actually have a, an interior page from the Dead Man's Hand story. So it, it's got uh, Matt Smith on the covers, Levin Thoctor, Clara's on the cover. <laughs> and, you know, I I, I liked it, and I, we worked at a, at a price, and I got it. And actually, in, in my mind, it also helped out because his wife, Irma, was there, who actually is just another just wonderful. She actually helps out at the con most times, just, mm -hmm. you know, helping out and just give me a shirt, and I'll go and talk to these people. Well, she didn't do it this year. Because she's going to have their first child in May. Oh, wow. So I sort of like gave them a little thing maybe for their nursery, I guess. That's how I worked in my home line. So congratulations to them. Bless you. You're going to sneeze there, Murd? Uh, no, I think it's just false alarm. But false alarm. It's okay. A pretty fertile year, though, all this childbirth going on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, and, and like I said, you know, it was, it was a great con. I was so tired. Uh, I just, you know, came home Monday. So, again, I would like to spend more time there. But, again, it was another good convention. Uh, the plans are probably to have it again uh, next year. We don't have the dates for it yet, but uh, if you're in the area, and even if you're in Europe, I mean, for goodness sake, we got a guy came from Helsinki to the convention. You know, how, how cool was that? Very. Pants, Very. pants. Was the attendance up from the previous year? It was. I don't have the exact numbers, but they're, they're slowly growing every year. Yeah. Last year they made the mistake of scheduling it against British Mother's Day, so that hurt uh, attendance a bit. Yes. So they learned from that mistake this year and paid off. Yes. Um... So, and there's room to grow, and, you know, they got all kinds of plans. So, London, thank you very much for, for having me, and uh, hope to do it again next year. Yes, and I hope so, too. So, yeah, that, that's my world. I was worldwide pants for a while there. <laughs> Bite me, Guido. <laughs> it's the only one of those <laughs> sayings that I know. <laughs> 
Oh my God, you're the best, bird. You are the best. Here for you, man. And don't let anybody ever tell you differently. Oh my God. Uh, well, I have a few other brief topics to talk about. Um, not too long ago, there was a couple of auctions I want to briefly discuss. Uh, Heritage had another big auction, and a couple of the big pieces, I just love to mention these prices here. They had the original artwork to Amazing Spider-Man 62 by John Romita Sr. Ugh. With Medusa on the cover. It says, Ugh. the name of the dame is Medusa. Oh, yes. Well, that cover went for almost $180,000. Wow. <laughs> you burned your speechless, aren't you? <laughs> Another cover that uh, went for quite a pretty penny, almost $150,000 was the Wallywood Daredevil number 9 cover. Oh, classic. Yes, and I've seen this cover at conventions in the past, and it's like, well, you know, I'm looking at it, but holy cow, $150,000. Some of the original art is just crazy, but it only takes two people to tango, as they say, to get the, get the auction and get those prices up. And not too long after, there was an auction at Comic Link for comics and original art. And I bookmarked a few pieces I wanted to look at, and I'm on a big Dan Jurgens kick recently. Well, a page from Superman 74 came up, actually page 8, which is from the death of Superman storyline. Actually, it's before that. Actually, it's, it's actually the first meeting of, with Doomsday. It's a, it's a five-panel page where Booster Gold and him fly in, and Doomsday takes a shot at, at uh, Superman, and it goes, Doomsday goes, Krakoom. And I was stunned when it finished at over seventeen thousand mm, dollars. My God! Well, I, I found out that well, of course, it takes two to tango. But death of Superman art is highly sought after. A lot wow. of it is locked up, I think, in people's uh, like black hole collections. Just when you uh, thought from, the death from, of from what I hear, irrelevant. <laughs> well, art I, collectors know different. Well, I've heard that also. I believe. This character is in the upcoming movie. Doomsday. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that. I've... Well, yeah, yeah, him, the, him and the kids. La, 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 la. One of the trailers. Does, <laughs> there's something in there that kind of looks like Doomsday. Ah. We can't be sure just yet if it really is. Right, but $17,000. Because I, like, oh. I have several pages of Dan Jones Ulrich from that era, like Armageddon 2001, um, Zero Hour, Superman, a couple of adventures pages, and, you know, I didn't pay anywhere near that amount. Like, you know, $100 pages, but when I saw that, I said, oh, I'll look at that. And then soon enough, I said, oh, oh that, I'm, not, I'm not, in the, not in the running for that. Out of Pants' comfort zone. Right. But there was one piece in there in the auction I really wanted, and I was the underbidder on it. I, was a, I, was, I got outbid on it. It was the original artwork using Who's Who number two of the Kathy Kane Batwoman. Oh, oh yes. wow. That's that entry by Dick Giordano. Perfect for your collection. Absolutely, because uh, that's the character I, I usually get sketches from. I've sort of stepped back in the years, but I've got a lot of Kathy Kane sketches from a various amount of artists. I even have, I do have one original page she appeared in in the Batman family in the 70s with Bob Brown did the artist on that. But this would have been a coup to have this, uh, I think, in my collection. But I got out. But it ended $805. So I, I was the deluxe. I think I bid seven fifty-five or whatever. So I did not win that. But, yeah, some of the original art prices are just 
skyrocketing. I, I may test the waters. I do have something in my collection that uh, actually, when I want to go to that, that art convention. The, they're both going to be those auction houses. I may just put up there and say, hey, take this and put it up an auction and see how it goes. You know, pay you some money. You know, comics ain't cheap. But, of course. Uh, also, just to see what I can get for it. I would be curious to hear what uh, well, what kind of success you have if you try and that. And you will hear a success about it, hopefully, when I do that, and we'll talk about that later. Um, my, my next topic, this is something I want to get Chris involved in, because you probably know Mark Bradley than I do, is I've been trying to... I, I want to eventually, at some point, sell some of my comics. I've never sold, really, any of my comics, but my collection <laughs> is getting out of hand. Now, a lot of the recent stuff I do want to get rid of, but I have... Quite a collection of the Silver Age and beyond. Now, it's mostly, you know, reader copies. But, Chris, at the New York Comic Con, what I did is I tested the CG, getting some books CGC graded. Now, I didn't do it on site. I dropped them off and had them send them to me later. So, I grabbed a few pieces of my collection I wanted to get graded. I did take some modern books, recent, recent books... Uh, I took, actually, the very first appearance of Harley Quinn in Batman Adventures number 12, because that's a very hot book. sure is. If, for some reason, I just recently checked, like, a... They, they still a great... They script... They grade... Slow down, pants. You're getting excited again. When you, they, when you grade on a scale of 1 to 10, but when you get into the mint, the 9s, they go 9.0, 9.2, 9.4, 9.6, 9.8, 9.9, and 10. Well, 9.8 is, like, also... What you see most of, and that's very desirable. And a recent copy of that went on eBay for eighteen hundred dollars. So, hmm, this and this comic just sitting in my collection. I bought probably, probably bought it for like a dollar twenty years ago. And it's like if I can turn that into some money, I'm going to try. Well, I got my copy graded, and I actually came back as a nine point two. Eh, well, you know that's still going for five. Is that a near mint minus pants? Something like that, like five six hundred dollars. It's like hmm. But now I didn't put them up for sale. I, I just had them, and I got a few other of her appearances uh, graded. I also got the um, first issue of Alias graded. That came back at nine point eight. That was a very hot book. I don't these modern books. You know, I can't tell a nine point eight from nine point six. I'm awful at grading, but that's why you have somebody else do it for you. And um, so I also then picked two of my old books. Remember, Chris, I think at one of the um, your events, you were raffling off All-Star Comics 28. Yes, that was at one of the conventions. And I happened to win that. Yes, you did. You made it very clear to everybody that you won it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I got excited. I made a, made a few comments to the people who bought it. Like, I wonder you didn't, you losers. But so that's my oldest copy of any book I have. So I got that graded. Just also mainly needed to preserve it. I got, the, got a 4.0 on that. Which is, like, very good. But I looked at my collection. Let me just find one more book. So I pulled out my copy of Detective Comics 359, which is... Oh, Mer- yes. Now, you don't know because you're right with numbers, but do you know what that is? I'm not very good at numbers, no. But uh, is that the first Jason Todd? No, that's the first... Oh, wait a minute. That's right, because Man Bad is number 400, so we're going back to, like, the 60s Yes, now. we are. Three, oh, it's not... That can't be Batgirl, can it? It can and it is. The million-dollar debut of Batgirl. Yes. Yes. Boy, look at you. See, I I know the words. I don't know the numbers. (laughs) We we complete each other here, Brian. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) I'm I'm King – what is it? I'm thinking of the Phantom Tollbooth here. You're the math magician, and I'm King Atos the Unabridged. 
It went right over my head. Sorry, the Phantom Toll Booth is a classic children's book about uh, a boy named Milo's adventures through the magic kingdoms of words, numbers, and other things, respectively. And uh, so the two warring brothers of these kingdoms are the mathematician who rules over the land of numbers. And uh, I think his name was King Atos. There's an A to Z. Atos. Ah. The unabridged. Clever, clever. Anyway, so yeah, I got that. That's the first appearance of the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, not the Betty Kane Bat-Girl right. from the early 60s. This was her first appearance, and my copy looked pretty good, and so I sort of somebody else who I trust with their grading, who's, oh, it'll probably, probably be like a 7, if they're feeling generous, 7.5. Came back an 8.0. Hey, doesn't oh, nice. surprise. I'm like... Solid, solid, very fine. Exactly. Like, okay, and that is... You know, roughly going for one thousand to twelve hundred dollars ish online. So, hmm. but now if I get rid of that, that breaks up my detective run because I have a complete run from issue two sixty to whatever ended with eight eight thirteen eight fourteen. Well, pants, why don't you look for a low grade reader copy of that book? Get that and then sell. The That's hardware. exactly what I'm doing. I'm tracking one right now. You look at the way we think together. That's. Couple on eBay, right? Plus, it actually was also in the Millennium comics. So they did a print right. of that. But uh, it's like you know, I have all these comics sitting around. None of them are really also in that kind of good condition. But I may look into that. So, but Chris, what's been your experience? Have you had much CGC books come through your store? Actually, no. Um... Very rare. Uh, usually when people CGC books, they, if, if their intention is to sell them, they put them on eBay. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I, I CGC'd some books very early in my retail career. I had an Amazing Fantasy 15, for example, and Good, Very Good, and uh, a couple other things. Um, frankly, I wish I still had that book because I, <laughs> I sold it too many years ago. But um, yeah. the CGC is expensive and time-consuming, mm-hmm. so – it's really something I would recommend you do if, A, A, you just want to preserve a very important key book in your collection and or you want to sell it at some point because a lot of people who are going to spend that kind of money online, they feel reassured by the CGC brand. Right. They, the book has been sealed you know, and slabbed and, and, and mm-hmm. graded and so forth. So if, if it's your intention to sell some of those books, obviously don't sell them to dealers because you're not going to get anywhere near their value in terms of the guide. Right. Um, so, in this case, you should, I, I recommend you do slab them, and uh, which is a bit of an investment, and uh-huh. then uh, you know put them up. Yeah. So, yeah. I, in terms of the like you said, you want to you want to get rid of some of your reader copy books too. Is that what you're saying? Well, uh, well, a lot of my recent like the the, the DC fifty two. I pretty much want to get rid of that whole thing there. But I know that some of those titles, like Batman, for instance, is going for you know a pretty penny. I, I think Shane sold his collection of like maybe one to thirty for like three hundred dollars. Yeah, Batman one. Uh, you're talking about the, the new Fifty Two. Yes, Batman one, correct. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I haven't looked lately, but that's that's going for a, a pretty penny. Actually, yeah, about a hundred dollars, um, ungraded. If it's in, you know, good. Well, because it's it's the first Batman one since 1930. Yeah, the Golden Nine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's one of the few recent comics that really commands value. Yeah. Uh, so. I've sold that a couple times in the shop. People sell collections in bulk, and they go, "Oh, look, there's a Batman one in there." Then I pay twenty cents for it, so I sell it for fifty bucks, and you know, everybody's happy. <laughs> so, because, like you said, it's it's going for more, far more than that. Um, 
Right. So that, that's 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 a good book to move with you. So it, it's a matter of me just getting my my button geared to, to to do that, and also finding some of the things in my collection. I did manage to find a couple of key books that I have, which I may consider getting graded. So listen to this list here, and tell me what you think, Chris. Sure. Flash one hundred and five. Mm-hmm. Brave and a Bold twenty five, the first Suicide Squad. Um, Detective Comics two thirty three, the first. Two Face. No, the oh, Detective no? Comics, not Batman. Oh, right. I'm sorry, my bad. The first Batwoman. That's right. Um, what else did I find? Um, showcase number twenty, the first Rip Hunter. Time Master. So I, I, <laughs> uh, I love I, a bird that is said in a hushed tone. Yeah. So I mean, and they're, in my opinion, in my opinion, they're best very good. So, you know, I'm going to look into maybe getting a graded at some point um, just so I have it if I decide to, to do that because I'm probably not going to read them again. I did read I did read all of them, actually. You know, I had my dirty mitts. I actually read a couple of them on the air here. I, the, the Rip Hunter and the Suicide Squad, I think I read them on the air here. I do remember and you were, we were trying to identify the artist. Yeah, we actually did that on video, I think. we did. That was one of the video episodes we did. Mm-hmm. Yep, early experimentation with the... Uh, well, close exactly. Right here that exactly. I just dropped on the table. You're right. But uh, so I'm, I'm considering that. Um, ah, it's just just a matter of just yeah. I, they're, if they're, if it's just sitting around, and I can get decent money for it, why the heck wouldn't I do that? Well, pants, if I may, because you've described some books. Obviously, these are all key books. Um, Flash 105, for example. But then again, we we shouldn't forget the the fluctuations of the. Uh, Comic-related movie market. Yes. So if you have a, and I have, I have, I kind of look at that whole area kind of with a dubious eye. But when you have um, a Suicide Squad and you have a, a first Harley Quinn, and you have what would you say Rip Hunter mm-hmm. as well, um, there are people who are going to want to buy those books for for either for investment purposes because they're they're in the multimedia or just because they love the characters mm-hmm. and, and they can't afford to buy you know a high grade copy. Um, but you know they might have the money to, for something that's mid to low grade, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you probably didn't pay that much for any of those books. I would imagine. Oh no, the yeah, Flash so. 105. I bought at Ides many years ago when they had a 40 ah, percent yes. off sale. So I got that for, I think I got that for I'm going to say around 400 dollars. And is that a VG? Uh, it might be a VG minus or a good plus somewhere in there. Okay, do you want me to take a look at it? Well, yeah, that was my next question because yeah. I, you've obviously run a comic shop for many, many years. Seventeen. What, what is your – do you think you're a good, accurate grader? Yes. Okay, because that's something I, I, I – you know, I'm not in the caliber of someone at CGC who's doing it for, as a job, mm-hmm. but yes, I, I, I'm a competent grader. Okay, because I am a lousy grader. I don't – I can't – because I never got into that, my goal was I want to have it. I want to read it. I want to keep it. But you know, I'm, I'm getting. A, I'm not getting any younger. You know, I'm living alone now. There are some some bills coming in, and if I have just some stuff sitting around the house, why not? Well, next time I see you, um, if you want to bring a few things in, I mean, grading like grading really grading an old book is a it's 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 a long process because you literally have to go through every page of the book. You have to examine the covers. You have to examine the staples. You have to examine: right. are there creases? Are, are there splits in the color? Um, what, it, what is it? Off white or cream in mm-hmm. terms of the, the, the gutters and, and the borders around the art? 
Um, has anything been clipped out of the book? Uh, like one of the great landmines is if you do Marvel Bronze Age with yeah. the, the, the value stamps. Yeah. Like Hulk Hulk one eighty one has a value stamp in it. If that value stamp is cut out, the 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 grade of the book plummets. Yep. Even if the rest of it is is pristine. Um, so there's, in every different era, and there are people who are far more experts at this than I am. But in every different era, you have to look for certain you know potential pitfalls depending on you know when that book was produced and what's in it and its significance uh, and so forth. But if you have those, all those books you described are key books, and if they're like, let's say if they're solid mid-grade books, you will sell them probably very quickly. Yeah. So, and if you paid very little for them, um, like the Flash 105, you said you paid 400 bucks for that. Yeah. And I don't have the Overstreet in front of me, but I'm sure you can get a hell of a lot more than 400 dollars for that book. Yeah. Um, so I'll be happy to help you out. Yeah. It's just a matter of I've become I'm like attached to these things. Like I. I've never sold any of my artwork, which I, I may try some of that. It's like, it's, they're just things, you know, when you get down to it. Things I enjoy, don't get me wrong, but, you know, pants needs money. What can I tell you? <laughs> Toys R Us doesn't uh, pay all the bills it should. Well, uh, you have, considering the size of your collection, both in terms of comics and artwork, I'm sure there's things you can part with that'll pay a lot of bills. Yeah. So, and as far as you, if you want to dump modern stuff, that stuff's mostly just bulk because people aren't going to pay. I understand that, yeah. You know, top money for anything like that, unless it's like that Batman one, certain books like that. Right, and I think some of the Suicide Squads, uh, the first series, maybe even the second series, they can command a little bit. Of, you know, the New Fifty Two stuff can command yeah. a little bit of money there. Right, That'll so. probably evaporate after the movie, right? Um, that that part of the market I consider very artificial and very short term. So if you want to take advantage of that you really have to know how to get in and get out at the right time and yeah and that's something i've never been good with the you know with timing mm. on these things it's like I, I always either strike too late or whatever and yep that's i have the same problem i allow the iron to cool too much and well ultimately neither one of us has ever really made an effort to sell anything we have yeah now mer do you have any kind of a uh silver age collection of any important issues at all a few here and there, a couple of uh, significant first appearances. Not not an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Nothing on the order of what you have. Okay. Do, do you know if there are any kind of um, good conditions at all? Generally, no. Okay. Um, Similar to what I was in. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought them as as reader copies for the most part, and you know, paid a little. In some cases, paid more than you know the couple of bucks that a reader copy is worth. Mm -hmm. But uh, just to be able to say that I had certain milestones. I mean, one that's coming to mind right now is a, a somewhat battered copy of uh, the first appearance of the Matt Hagen Clayface. Uh, Detective that, Comics two ninety eight. I'll take your word for that. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> See, that's that is something that I cannot do, Brian. It's, I think it's also. The end of the appearances of Aquaman and the backups, or the beginning of it. I don't remember. Uh, sorry. See, I do know something. But anyway, I'm that's, sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. impressive. Well, I don't, just about to say I don't know about impressive. It's not like a parlor trick. I can't earn any money off of that trick. <laughs> yep. Like, uh, uh, what's the, man, the man's name? Professor Irwin something or other, the, uh, the world's foremost authority, who, could just, who made a living just throwing out random odd facts on various <laughs> talk shows. He used to smoke joints with Andy Kaufman a long time ago. <laughs> wow, okay. But now, don't you also have... Superboy 68, the first Bizarro? I do have a copy of that. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where my parents found it, but uh, online someplace, mm -hmm. I think. But they gave it to me as a, a birthday present, and I, I don't, to this day, know exactly what they paid for it. And it, it's uh, the, the cover's starting to fall off of it, too. Oh, so. okay. 
But again, that's something that, that means something to you. You're a huge Bizarro fan. Yes, absolutely. It's something that I've, I've really wanted to have in my collection, and um, thanks to my parents, it is now so. But and yeah, we should also mention that Murd has a key Bronze Age book, which he's brought to the studio before, which is Giant Size X Men number one. That's right. That was present in yep. this very room. Yep. And it's still in my apartment. I'm not telling you where I live. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you live. Yes, you do. <laughs> you, I trust. Oh, really? <laughs> With my <laughs> you trust me? <laughs> uh, trust but verify, as, as Reagan used to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess that's a struggle I have to deal with. Do, do I want to keep it for saying that I have it and it's a complete collection? Or if it's going to get me some, you know, some dinero, you know, I'm looking at that. Pants, the books you're describing, especially if you if you slab them, you're definitely going to get money for them. If you put them on the internet, uh, you'll do. I think you'll do just fine. The, the first Harlequin, I'm sure you would do very well with. You probably, like you said, you probably paid next to nothing for it. Yeah, like a dollar for that. Like, again, like 20 years ago. Your, your profit margin on that is going to be staggering. Yes. So go for it. Thank you. But it's, it's, cool, it's cool to say I have a complete run from 260 to 800-something for Detective Comics. I mean, you, I can still like say this would be true. You, you can find a lower-end reader copy of that, and then you can just replace it. Yeah. Yeah, because actually, I think I might even mention it here at some point. You know, Maggie Thompson from the Comic Buyer's Guide. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. she mentioned a couple of years ago at San Diego that that's what she's doing. She's you know downgrading your collection because she has all these great things, and it's like maybe I want to start looking at that. I mean, granted, a lot of my collection is already you know low grade. Like, actually, I have Flash One Twenty Three, and as I recall, I paid I think ninety bucks for that. Oh, wow. Years ago, but that's, I think, in, at best, good condition. You know, literally, whatever it is, like 2.0 or 2.5, perhaps, on the scale there. But, you know, I have a lot of key books. I have, you know, Flash 110, the first Wally West. Um, just a lot of stuff. But I, I love having it, but it's like, if it's going to sit around there, you know, I'm going to be able to get rid of it. But all those years spent going through back issues, you know, I wasn't buying... The, the high grades, I was buying what I could afford because I wanted to read it and keep it. I, I would go up to dealers and look at a book and say, oh, that's a really cool book, but it's actually, you know, too good for me. I said, well, I can, like, muck it up for you if you want. I said, no, don't be, don't end up being just funny. It's like, yeah, I'm looking for a lower copy. He said, well, I can, you know, muck it for you. It's like, no, don't, don't do that. But <laughs> do you have any uh, stuff in your collection, um, Chris, uh, that's not for sale in the store? Like, uh, that no, caliber? I don't, I don't actually have a... I don't really maintain a comic book collection anymore. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm always adding to my library of trades, which I have mm -hmm. uh, where I'm sitting right now in the, in the basement of my house. Mm -hmm. um, the only comics I keep are ones that my parents got me when I was a child. Oh, Similar okay. to Merge's legendary Diefenbach collection. <laughs> um, so I have, a, I have a, like a pile of those books. They're just all random Marvel and DC comics from the 70s and 80s um but I, I don't collect comics for myself anymore okay um, everything i buy for comic wise goes to the shop oh so. excellent do you have any do you know top of your head do you have any um silver well, you, you mentioned that there are sometimes like good stuff well, silver bronze the, in there some, sometimes what, what I, yeah what when i reopened the store back in 2012 i made a conscious decision to not invest in Really high end back issues. I used to have a you know a big wall, and we had all we always had stuff coming in and out, um, you know, gold, silver, bronze, and, and you know forward. But when in the last year the store was open before I, I temporarily closed it, that was back in 2010. Because the economy had crashed, um, I uh, 
I, I was losing money, so I, I got out of the, the high-end stuff. And today, when I buy collections, mostly everything is going buying bought for bulk and going into our bargain bins. But occasionally we have better stuff because I have three or four boxes in the front of like better sticker books. But they're not – even those are not that expensive. And if I'm buying stuff in bulk, I always make a point of charging way below guide for everything, So, which people appreciate. Very good. So now do we have someone else in line with us? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. I think you do. Yay! Number one, enter a legend. <laughs> Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm good. You don't sound too good. I'm really tired and gross. Aww. I didn't take a shower yet, so. My oh. dear, the word gross can never be a synonym for you. <laughs> no, no, Nonsense. it could. You, you don't. You, I'm just disgusting. <laughs> May I remind you that we lived together for three years, and you're always a delightful tonic for the spirit. Yeah, but I wasn't kickboxing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you had a good workout. I did. I got to Excellent. punch things, and it was awesome. <laughs> I, I, I know I know. Billy's alone in the weather, so he, he probably didn't join you for this one, I would imagine. No, he would have died. <laughs> this instructor's really hard. I mean, he went on Monday with this instructor, and halfway through the class, he was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I spoke to him the next day, and he emphasized how wiped out he was from that, yeah. from that workout. So, but I, I applaud him for making the effort, though. Well, you better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we brought Danny on because uh, she's available now because he was no longer kickboxing, although she's all gross as she says. Yes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Dare the Daredevil, the Deadpool movie, but first. Um, I'm going to step out. If you guys want to talk about the Civil War trailer that uh, just dropped, so oh, mer- yes, oh, yes, merge oh, me yes. to high when it's all clear, okay? All righty. I still have a back attached to me. My God, it's my first day at the office. <laughs> Let me get this thing off. All right. You kids have fun. Oh, that was a funny take, folks. All right. So, yes, our friend Brian likes to keep himself uh, well isolated and... And secluded from oh all advanced possible spoilers about the comic-related movies he may soon see. So he he's upset enough that he found out Spider-Man's in the movie. So, mm-hmm. yep. So he's, he's trailer-proof. But the rest of us, what did we think of this uh, new trailer? If do anybody mind if I go first? Have fun. All right. So, out of all the Marvel trailers I've seen since they started their uh, their, uh, uh, I just. Their franchise, so to speak. This one is the most exciting for me. Um, I was very excited with the first one. This one, as Daniel noted to me when she alerted me to it, because I'm Luddite, I'm never on the internet, so I didn't know it was even out. Um, so exciting, so dynamic. Um, it, I really can't wait to see, because, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not going to give you the whole thing and what you see, but they're clearly laying out the whole political backdrop of the fact that. The government is uncomfortable with these heroes and, and the damage that comes in their wake when they're confronting these menaces. Um, and, you know, there's such a great emphasis on the Tony Stark, Steve Rogers uh, dynamic, and they've, they've established from the get-go there was always tension there, and, but despite that, and also, of course, that respect. But clearly, and we have to assume it's the Winter Soldiers, the crux of all this, um, this is going to go in a very ugly uh, direction. And uh, just seeing all the heroes that are going to be involved in this and just these tantalizing clues as to who's going to be on whose side. Um, you know, it looks like the Black Widow might switch at some point and join uh, Tony. Um, obviously, every time I saw the Black Panther, I was 
giddy and beyond all imagination. Um, although I, I, I'm a little... I'm interested that they made him side with Tony Stark. At least they're making it appear that way in the trailers because in the comic world, I, I think T'Challa would join Steve Rogers. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do there, but just a breathtakingly exciting trailer. And we got to see Spidey, and the voice was perfect. So, what'd you guys think? Uh, you want to go next, Danny? Uh, sure. I'm really excited. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. I saw. I guess it was this morning. I saw on Twitter that they were dropping it at noon, and I, uh, like, the second noon hit, I was like, "Internet." Give me a trailer. And then I watched it at work, just staring at the screen, going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I texted Bill and was like, I don't care that you're sick. Get out of bed and watch <laughs> yep. this trailer. This is the medicine you need. Yeah, I was like, it is worth every bit of exhaustion that you feel right now to go watch this trailer. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. I think this is going to be the Avengers movie I wanted. Mm. Like, I really, truly believe, like, Avengers 2... It well, was most okay. Of them, most, of them, most of them are in it, so... Yeah, I, I know. Say, this it's is basically like a third Avengers 2 was uh, just, you know, I call it, like, Avengers 1.5 or something. And then Captain America Civil War is really kind of Avengers 2. They're all in it. I mean, Avengers 2 was just to set up all this to go into this, but I'm so excited because Winter Soldier is, hands down, my favorite Marvel movie. Oh, mine too, without question. people, and yep. I think this is going to surpass it easily. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, just the cast alone. So, yeah. And gosh, it's uh, this became most exciting for me uh, in the last couple of seconds of the trailer, actually, when I saw just how many different characters were going to be present, just uh, throwing punches and arrows and repulsor rays and things at each other. <laughs> uh, so I saw Ant-Man in there someplace, so he's, yep, gonna, yep. he's apparently going to be in this. And uh, then, of course, that final moment was the biggie for me when we saw Spider-Man at last, looking like he just topped right out of an Alex Ross cover. Yep. His costume looks better than it's looked in any of his previous film appearances. They've omitted all of the sequins and the shiny latex and whatever. I agree, yep, I yes, agree. And just let it look more or less like the you know, the sheer cloth that uh, Ditko envisioned and the eye holes narrowing. It was awesome. At the last moment. Yeah. It's like finally cool. they've gotten over it. They've maybe I like to give credit to Deadpool, which we'll talk more about in a moment, for finally showing Hollywood that it's all right for the eye holes on a superhero's mask to be expressive, to change shape. Who cares if it's not realistic? It, it, it's a fun visual. It should be there. And they, they seem to have taken the note finally because Spidey's doing it. And <laughs> under ruse. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great things about the trailer was it leaves you with so many tantalizing questions, which is what a trailer should do. You know, they make you think, is War Machine going to die? Um, that wound looked pretty serious. Um, the Black Widow... Where is she going to fall? Because at some point it seems like she's with Steve, and then at another point she's, she's on Iron Man's side. Uh, we know from previous uh, teaser scenes that Ant-Man's probably going to be the one to help restore the Winter Soldier's mind is my guess. They might even do like a, a vision riff where he goes inside the Winter Soldier murder. Hmm. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, it would delight me if they did that. Yeah, and because uh, – you remember, remember guys, remember the teaser? What, it was after – which movie was it after where they show the Falcon and Steve have – Winter Soldier captured, and it's uh, Ant-Man, isn't it? is it? Oh, it is Ant-Man. Okay, thank you. And, and, and Sam says, you know, I know a guy who can help. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do a riff on that classic uh, moment in Avengers history. Um, I, I just I, I can't wait to see 
how they play out the, the Steve and Tony rift because it's always been they've always teased you that it could happen and they bring Thunderbolt Rawls in as the representative of the we haven't seen him since the Hulk film hmm. um, so William Hurt's a great actor uh, so this this trailer is so exciting and and as Daniel said the directors did such a wonderful job in the, in, in, in Winter Soldier depicting combat scenes I think that's the best Marvel movie when it comes to showing hand-to-hand combat and so I can't wait to see what they do with all these other characters now and, you know, incorporating their different fighting styles. Like, you know, you imagine, you know, the Winter Soldier, they, they give you a, a quick show of that fighting the Black Panther. And you can imagine what that's going to be like. And they also showed you the Black Panther being shot, all the bullets bouncing off his vibranium-coated uh, <laughs> uniform. So that was very exciting to see. Uh, this is... Forget Superman, Batman. This is the comic book film I'm excited about. This and Doctor Strange for, for this year. Um, so, woof! Very excited. All right, I'm I'm gesturing to. <laughs> oh God! I'm I'm giving pants the high sign that. Oh, uh, I have to go back now. Okay. All quiet on the spoiler front. All right. <laughs> My mic back on. He's uh, turning the microphone down while he adjusts it and uh, doesn't want to rustle everyone's ears. Into How's that? That was so- – oh, there we go. Can uh, you hear him now? Sure can. I can hear him. Okie dokes. All right. And now I guess it's time to talk about the Merc with a Mouth, huh? Yes. Indeed. Little, little Deadpool. Mm-hmm. So everyone's seen it, right? We've all seen it. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So if you listening at home have not seen it yet, uh, Or wherever you're listening to, your car, your bathroom, your okay. lawn, whatever you're doing. Those of you listening. <laughs> I won't. See, this is the great moment of the show. And Pants so amuses himself, his head starts to turn red, which I always enjoy thoroughly. <laughs> you can see that even from the distance that the, the camera oh, is. It, it is oh, yeah. radiating. You can see from space, actually, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Stick your head out the window. Let's test that theory. <laughs> yeah, every now and then I smile for satellite photos like at the window. <laughs> Hi, Google Earth. God bless Stephen Wright, by the way. That's his joke. I stole it from him. So. Credit where credit is due. All right, uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. I saw it. I loved it. I howled throughout the whole movie. Um, he saw it in L.A., Danny. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> fancy, fancy. That doesn't mean anything. But, I mean, I, I laughed. I was laughing so hard at this movie. I was even laughing in places where you shouldn't have been laughing. For instance, the scene at the bar... When he's going outside and it, well, when uh, his girlfriend goes out, it's Vanessa. When she goes outside, it's raining. I'm thinking, oh my God, here comes a parody of the kiss with Spider Man and, you know, from uh, mm-hmm. Mary Jane from right, Spider Man. Wow, so I started laughing and stuck. I was like, oh, I know it's coming. And it turns out it's not what happened at all. <laughs> so, it's messing with you. It's messing with your but expectations. Oh my God. As a Deadpool movie should. Yes. Oh, but uh, I just. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it from what little I know of the character. I got most of the references, I think. It was good story. It was good action. Good Lord, it was an action pack. Funny? That, that's pretty much all I asked for in a movie. Make me laugh, and I think I bruised my sternum left so hard. <laughs> Somebody else, please talk. <laughs> Danielle, what'd you think? I thought it was really good. I thought it... Because um... you're well-versed in Deadpool, so... I... Yes, like but, but better than us I from think. like yeah. early two thousands, the Joe Kelly run, which I haven't yeah. run read in years. I think it was true to the character, definitely. 
it was violent. It was funny. The storyline, a tiny bit weak. A little tropey at the end. Mm, yeah, but the whole damsel in distress that, thing like, again. Other than the fact that it was just so true to the character and so, like, balls to the wall. Like, I mean, he broke the fourth wall. It was, like... <laughs> That stuff was so good that I could I could forgive the weaker aspects of it. I wasn't expecting an amazing storyline out of this. I just wanted to be entertained, and I was. I thought they what, did a really good job about that. And what did you think of Ryan Reynolds in the role? Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. What's interesting he, is that they, they stuck him in that lousy interpretation of Deadpool years ago oh in the God, Wolverine was, film. The dumbest thing ever. Yes, let's take the Merc with a mouth and not give him a mouth. Yeah, let's sew his mouth shut and give him swords coming out of his arms, too. And, of course, they reference that in the movie. Oh, Mm -hmm. give me a green costume, too. Make it animated. Knock it on Green Lantern. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I think they did a really good job. Merv, what'd you think? Mm. Oh, well... I, I, too, was a fan of the Deadpool series of the late 90s, early 2000s, the Kelly run that Danny just mentioned. And I'll agree that uh, this this really did uh, strike the right chords with this character, you know, far more than, you know, stitched mouth closed Deadpool ever could have. Um, they, they allowed the character to be himself. They gave the, the – so Danny mentioned the fourth wall breaking. Uh, the, the costume we've been saying for months is about the best page-to-screen transfer. Yeah, yeah that was pretty, pretty good. That we've yet seen the, the, the pupilless eye slits of his mask being allowed to express emotions. That, that was you know, revolutionary, frankly. Um, the humor was nonstop and it was terrific. Lots of little references. Um, I – uh, I was impressed by the set design, actually. Like all the little, you could really kind of see uh, any place that Wade Wilson or Deadpool inhabited as a character. Um, had all kinds of neat little uh, props and uh, and tchotchkes and background stuff happening in the. In the uh, like, like for example, when he was living with Blind Alfred. Um, By the way, Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams. Oh my God! I see. I'm watching the credits. That was Leslie Uggams. I had no idea. Yeah, they've actually softened that character a bit, and, and Wade's relationship with her for the screen. Yes, okay, they did. Yeah, because as, as Danny remembers, she was actually Wade's prisoner yeah, more than just it was his a roommate. Very, very odd relationship. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit twisted, but but still, yeah, uh, heartwarmingly twisted. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so that that didn't quite come across on the screen, but I'm not, I'm glad that she was there and Leslie Uggams looked the part. And in the home that they shared with each other, there was one wall. Maybe it takes a Christmas retailer to notice this. It was plastered with all kinds of advent calendars, which is, you know, Deadpool referred to the day he finally got his revenge on Francis. And that, too, comes from the Joe Kelly run, the Francis character. He was called the attending, and he was like the lead uh, uh, jackbooted authority figure in charge of the Canadian military installation where all the rejects from Weapon X were sent, including Wade Wilson. So that's how – they changed his character a bit for the movie. It's actually a little funnier in, in the original run. But, but anyway, Wade referred to the day he got revenge on this guy as Christmas. So the advent calendars are there to show his counting down to that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something in his obsession with these weird little bits and pieces of uh, pop culture, you know, his uh, love of strange music. It, it was always kind of Pee Wee Herman-ish. Wouldn't be surprised if the guy who did, like, the set design for Pee-wee's Playhouse were involved in this somehow. I think his name was Gary Panter. But anyway. Wow. Um, you know a lot. of You're, you're a smart man. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm just a Professor Erwin Corey. That was oh, the, my goodness. The world's <laughs> foremost authority. That was the guy. Just, just rhino. Rhino, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just came to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the soundtrack was terrific. It's, it's giving Guardians of the Galaxy a pretty serious run for its money, actually, as far as the, the best music 
in a superhero uh, I, movie I don't know. Today. I really love Guardians tracks. Yeah, well, me too. But the, just the, the way that this dipped into some of this strange, easy listening station <laughs> format stuff and just juxtaposed it with the extreme blood-soaked graphic violence That's that we got true. in this movie. It's just Wham. the opening scene of Juice <laughs> Newton singing Angel of the Morning. Oh, well, yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was inspired, that <laughs> whole sequence. The credits, a CGI character... Some egotist douchebag. Yeah, that was very clever. <laughs> that that set the tone for the thing. I, as soon as I heard the strains of Juice Newton, I knew that this movie was going to be on exactly the right track. But yes, we also got Careless Whisper from <laughs> Wham, and we got uh, was it uh, Mr. Sandman? I forget if it was the Cordettes version or maybe the Letterman. Oh. I, anyway, just uh, wow, you know your old music too. Look at you. I certainly, I listened to a lot of AM radio in Stone Harbor over the summer. I give it as much love as I've actually been an Arbitron correspondent a couple of times. That's right. Gave my love to those stations. Yes, you did. And I'm glad that the Deadpool movie also throws them out there and just just weird little touches like the soundtrack and Wade Wilson's B. Arthur T-shirt and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Murd, considering your distaste for Ferris Bueller. I was going to ask that. Go right ahead, Chris. God bless you. What did I think of what now? The the, the, the the scene at the end after the credits, because it's a homage to Ferris Bueller, we all know of your vitriol towards that film. It's been so, so long it, since I've seen it, Chris. Mercifully, I didn't even make the connection. Oh! I, I was wow. almost on the floor when I saw that. I mean, literally, you know, it, it's quiet, and I see where it, where it is. I start laughing. Of course, no one else, no one else got it right away. I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those who did not get it. But I was too excited that the next one's going to have cable in it. Because those two are a perfect you know, straight man and comedian duo. They, they supported like 50-plus issues of a series That's written right. by Fabian Nicieza in the mid-2000s. So they, they, there's a lot of – just as they mined a little bit of what Joe Kelly established. Oh, and anybody who enjoyed the movie, I would recommend you pick up uh, the Deadpool and Death Annual from 1998 because that was the retelling of, Dead, of Wade's origin as Deadpool. You can do a little compare and contrast between what they did on screen and what happened in the comics page. But, yeah, they can draw from that uh, Cable and Deadpool series a lot for the sequel. <laughs> I understand that somebody actually did like a digitally, a digitally manipulated image of Kira Knightley as Cable. Because <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool suggested, yeah, you don't know who's going to play this character. Uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Dolph Lundgren, Kira Knightley. She's got range. <laughs> 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 somebody actually went with that. Oh, boy. That's something to find, I guess. I'm going to look up for it right now. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Colossus and the Negasonic Teenage Warhead. <laughs> you know, he, Colossus is basically there to be the steel-plated straight man. You know, it's, uh, his, his personality was very uh, kind of lunkish, and uh, he's, he, they were basically Boris and Natasha if they were good guys. Yes. But, but, uh, but, you know, even though I thought uh, his character was a little 2D... Uh, it's still, visually at least, I think the best, my favorite version of Colossus we've seen on screen so far. Yeah, I agree with you, Murd, because, uh, I was deeply, I was very entertained with how they used Colossus, and they even made that fourth whole reference to it, we can't afford any other X-Men in the movie, and references <laughs> like that, but it was not really the Colossus of the comic. No. I mean, I, I was ha- laughing at the so bad over-the-top Russian accent that they gave him, <laughs> yeah. and when I hear Colossus speaking in the comic, he doesn't sound like that at all, um... So I, I was very entertained by how they used him, and Bill reminded me of how the other character was like a deep-cut Grant Morrison character, uh, essentially, from I think from the new X-Men era. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the film because whenever they do one of these comic book films, I'm always interested to see if they capture the essence of 
the character or characters and how well they adapt that. I mean, you never expect it to be just like the comic, but I'm always looking to see how well they do the adaptation. I think in this case, this is one of the best they've done thus far. As Bird mentioned, the costume is just pitch perfect, and Ryan Reynolds so perfectly captures the voice I imagine Deadpool to have, uh, the tone, the humor. Um, the movie, first of all, was thoroughly entertaining, as Pan said. Uh, I was laughing throughout. I mean, the violence was so over-the-top, ridiculous, and cartoonish, and that's the way it should be uh, in a Deadpool film. And, by the way, Danielle, the incredibly hot woman who played his girlfriend... Oh, my that's goodness. Not the, that's not the actress from Serenity. It sure is. Yeah. It is. Holy I mean, mackerel. Sure, I wasn't sure We saw her naughty bits. Um, <laughs> God, I love that woman. Yikes, um, a hootie. We did it that. And, Marina uh, Backer. I love, this was I love their, their rapport. It was so well done in the film. Oh, yes. Um, mm, it's and, one of the best uh, love stories. The bar, I forgot that actor's name. T.J. Miller. Yeah, he was. He was He's a fantastic. really funny comedian. He was very fun. I saw him on Colbert. He was very entertaining. Um, the movie, the movie was just. It was just. It was a. It was Deadpool. It was just a great Deadpool film, and I, I think they did a wonderful job. And you're right. There's all the tropes are in there, but I didn't mm-hmm. give a crap because it was Deadpool, and Ryan Reynolds so perfectly captured that character and and all his ludicrous aspects. It, it was just. And I'm not surprised. Isn't it like one of the top grossing R-rated films of all time, basically? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It broke records so. for like February um, release. So it's – I'm looking forward to how they use them in the future. So yeah. No place to well go done. but further over the top because yeah. the, the movie was slowed down in spots by the whole you know, paying service to the, the origin story. Uh, but uh, next time, you know, all of this – drop off all the sandbags. It's just – Nothing and I also, to I'm come sorry, between. Mark, nothing to come between the audience and uh, even more, you know, ridiculous humor and uh, body parts flying around. And I also really loved how they did the credits at the end. <laughs> um, obviously, there's some great sexual innuendo in there. And it was just so ridiculous, and uh, they they just got it. They, the the, create, the people involved in that movie really understand the character. And I want to, and again, I'm going to soapbox a little bit because uh, what Liefeld said in the New York Times really pissed me off. Um, Deadpool's a great character because of the people who wrote that character. Um, not to take any of the, anything away from some of the fine artists who've worked on it since Liefeld, but uh, that voice, that, that, that's Joe Kelly, that's Fabian Nicieza, that that's uh, Christopher Priest, that's, uh, and other writers who worked on that character. That's why that character is so entertaining and so beloved, and I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to, to those writers who really shaped who Deadpool is. So, because Deadpool's all he's the merc with a mouth, right? and that's, that's, that's the writing. Well said, Chris. All Rob Liefeld really did was uh, you know, do a carbon copy of uh, Deathstroke. It was the writers who no. did, as you said, give him his actual voice. Yeah, that that that, that quote was was outrageous, and uh, I just I just wanted to quickly address that. So, anything else about the film? Uh, can we give it freaking swears? I mean. Sure, why I'd, not? I'd give it a four well. out of five. Yeah, I, I think I'd go as high as four and a half. I was very entertained, and it was a great take on the character. I'd go four out of five as well. Yeah, I'd probably go four. So I only wish that we could see Deadpool interact with other Marvel characters besides the X-Men. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who knows? They, they, they're pulling Spider-Man in, so we'll, we'll see down the road. But I almost don't want to see him in the other movies. Why is that? I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's just... I don't know if he'd work well in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's such a different tone, maybe, it, it, with it the Guardians of the tone, Galaxy or something, yeah. but I feel like 
let him stay with the X-Men. I actually, I enjoy that the X-Men are in a separate universe. I'm cool with that. I've accepted it. I don't want them to come over. I like the, <laughs> I, well, I like the idea of the Inhumans being the mutants. True. And I'd rather, once you yeah. add in the X-Men, like, how do you add that in? It's just... True, the damage stay, is kind of done, but... Yeah, stay stay over there. Have fun, make your movies. You're doing... I enjoy the new ones. Just keep it over there. Hmm. Cool. I, I would argue that Deadpool is probably the one character from the X-verse that could make that transition over. Because, well, for one thing, he's technically not a mutant. For another, sure. he's just so adept at breaking boundaries, you know, between the fourth wall, for example. And, you know, since the Marvel cin- Cinematic Universe has kind of been built to accommodate humor, Deadpool can kind of take full advantage of that. True. I just don't know if I'd want to see him breaking the fourth wall, like, while talking to Iron Man or something. Hmm. Well, they probably wouldn't do that in those no, circumstances. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, not unless it was – if it was a Deadpool movie with yeah. Iron Man yeah. in it, then he could get away with it. But if it were an Iron Man movie with Deadpool in it, they'd have to tone him down a bit. It's true. Yeah. So – but I'm looking forward to how they use him in the future. Has everyone watched um, Agent Carter? Yes. Yes. Still got about three or four episodes to go. Okay, then uh, uh, let's not spoil anything for Murd, but that is one of my favorite adaptations of all the comic book shows that are on TV today. It's fantastic. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I love that show. It's so well done. So, and I really hope – I was reading – maybe you, maybe you might have read this, Pants, um, I, or maybe Danielle, but I heard that, that there's a question as to whether or not they're going to renew it for a third season. That is really low ratings. Yeah, that is, that is really, correct. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, the, um, that stinks. Uh, I mean, I believe they they announced uh, like a fourth season for Agents of Shield. That's been announced, yep. but yeah. not a third for Agent Carter. And it's I I like the dynamic of how they have yeah. this break for Agents of Shield, and there's still new content in there because you know with weeks off and reruns, sometimes you can lose momentum or lose interest. But now Agent Carter, this is a new thing. This is great. It's well acted. Going out to L.A. had all these great set pieces, and it's it's it's, it's good story, good acting. Uh, you know what more do you want? But yeah, again, I guess the bottom line is, did it bring in the rain? Didn't get the money, which is a shame. I mean, people who were watching Agents of Shield should have been watching Agent Carter because the storyline from Agents of Shield kind of fed into and will feed back out of Agent Carter. So plus, yeah. as much. Go ahead, Daniel. I'm sorry. I was just I just don't understand why people aren't watching it. I I'd hate to think. People aren't watching it because it's a female lead. That would just be ludicrous and stupid, and I hate people. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, and and, and my own personal preference, as much as I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think Agent Carter is a far better show Mm. than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Matt watches Agent Carter but does not watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., actually. So, but, because, again, without spoiling it for Murd, as as Pants, Daniel, and I know, they ended the season with, you know, making you think they were going to do a third season. Sure, yeah. uh, So, we'll see. Hopefully we will see it. We'll, yeah. we'll probably know within the next few weeks as we get ready for the upfront announcements for the fall TV series in, uh, in New York for the um, advertisers. Well, well she was me. just uh, picked up to be on a different TV show that's going to be filming. Hell yeah, well. Did, yeah, but oh. they did say that if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was picked up, they would you figure out a Carter. way for her to do both. Oh, okay. Well, maybe right. at the very least they'll do an Agent Carter-themed single episode of the fourth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if there's not a full series. There's a full season of Agent Carter. 
It's always flashbacks. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah, the whole oh, enter a legend. Episode. Enter a legend. Look at look at that tuchus. What? There's there's Bill Billy. is on there screen. We go. Oh. They can't see it, Chris. They can't see it. <laughs> well, Murder can see it. I can't see it. All I can see right now is Bill's head. Yeah, he's glorious, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, his head so amazing. <laughs> oh. I married him. Okay, are are we are we have we shot our proverbial bolt there, Mister Eberly and friends? I think we have shot our bolt, sir. All right. So that was our all over the place comic talk. Um, thank you, Danny, for joining us towards the end. I'm happy to get you on. Uh, as always, hope you. Um, I don't know, not as not as gross as you think you are. I mean, clean yourself up, I guess. <laughs> Well, you're, you're, oh, you're, 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 Danny! You're I knew what it, the ladies' pants. Wow. Oh, well, I know what I want to tell you, Danny. Um, what? I will probably I will be going to that art show in April. If you wanted to come along, the comic art show. When? Uh, Sunday, April third. It's a caucus. Oh, oh, pants, pants! I want to go to that because I've never been to that show. Oh, excellent! Well, I know Danny was was looking to maybe even part with some of her artwork. Yeah. April ah. 3rd is the one day I can't because it's WrestleMania and my ah, house is filled WrestleMania. with people and I have to make, we're having a make your own pizza party. <laughs> so I have to prep the house. Okay. Well, Chris, yeah, if you want to come along, I'd be, I'd be uh, happy I would, to. I would love to. I've never been to that show. It's, it's, uh, you, you might get, uh, well, you would have a bit of the art bug as it, as it is, so you might uh, find well, some more uh, stuff to buy. I, I look for two things. I look for Black Panther art from the pre-series, and I've yet, I've, I want to get some Gene Day Shang-Chi art, which I've yet to, yet to purchase. So. Well, whenever I see that, I give, try to give you a heads up as much as I can. I, I appreciate that. It just, it just When you do that, sometimes I have money and sometimes I don't. <laughs> I, I understand. Well, I, I appreciate that, sir. I'm trying to be an enabler. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, well, Murd, uh, this episode again was sponsored by... Uh, the Collection Drawer Company at CollectionDrawer.com. Go to their website, check out their wares, including the ever-popular drawer boxes. Yes. The easy access storage solution. Okay. And if you would like to send us an email, our address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us a voicemail, the number for that is 267-702-6642. Follow us on Twitter. We're at ComicGeekSpeak. Visit our Facebook page. Uh, Stop by thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com to get a look at uh, one of the uh, best little communities of uh, comic and podcast fans on the Internet. Uh, We'd like to give a special thank you to everyone who supported the show monetarily in the past. Really appreciate it and couldn't do the show without. You. Go to wellpaidcomics.com look for the upcoming sale. Mm-hmm. What's yes. that address again? 14 South Michigan Avenue, Kenilworth, New Jersey. Tasty. Wildpigcomics.com. <laughs> You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you, gentlemen. And as always, we're uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time.